Are you serious? I've got a fire in my eyes. I'm burning brighter than the sunlight. You orchestrated my escape. Now I'm awake. I feel alive for the first time. You ignite the fire in my eyes. Hello, folks. Welcome once again to the Brother Marcos Radio Show. We are already in our fourth year. Our fourth year bringing to you discussions about Christian living, about the Bible, about heresies that are endangering, endangering the church right now. And... Uh, we're going to talk about some of those dangers today, especially about, you know, more things that we found out about the author of the the book and now the movie, The Shack. Oh, yes, a best-selling book. I've read somewhere that he sold 11 million copies and uh, I, I read somewhere else that he sold 20 million copies, but it doesn't matter. It's a lot of copies. It's uh, too many copies, I would say. So we're going to talk a little about this and uh, the consequences of uh, this infiltration of false teachings and heresies in the church today. But I'll tell you, more than, than that, I think it's interesting that we discuss a little bit about, you know, the, the, the reasons why there is this space for these heresies to flourish. Because, my friends, if the church was okay, if we really follow the commands of Jesus Christ, we would not have the situation we have, you know, because I, I, I don't want just, you know, have a, a show here. We're going to talk about Rick Warren's Daniel plan and all the occult teachings of Dr. Oz. And then next week we have another show about the shack and another show about this other heresy. So it's just. Uh, you know the guacamole, guacamole game. You punch those little moles on the head, you know, as they appear. I don't want that. I, I want really for you to understand why those things are appearing. Okay, like the 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 moles. Like the sometimes alligators just go to Chuck E. Cheese. They have the whack-a-mole game there. You hammer those poor moles as they pop up from the hose. I want you to understand so, you know, it becomes easy, easier for you to just recognize and flee from places where those things originate. Yes, my friends, it's it's hard. Basically, it's because churches 
and, and, and the believers, they're not really following the commands of Jesus Christ. Because he said, if you go to John 8, chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So that's the key to not be deceived. You abide in his word. Other translations say abide. The KGV says continue. If you continue in my word, it means you meditate on the word, you read the Bible, you compare things. All the time. Well, what's happening here? What is this person saying? And you should do that with Brother Marcos. Because who am I? I'm just another believer who reads the Bible. And, and I discussed this because, you know, someone thought that this might be profitable. <laughs> I re I'm really grateful for this opportunity to talk about the Bible. I'm, I'm grateful to especially Brother Paul. But I'm just a believer, just like you. And what I do is to check the Bible, you know, meditate about what it says, and then check reality, the world around me, and compare the two things. That's what, you know... Abide in the word means. It's a beautiful word, but, but that's simple. And then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? The context of this chapter is that Jesus is basically saying that everything that he's talking about comes from the Father. So basically, it, it, it's, you know... A good part of this chapter, I would say the most important idea probably, is his submission to the, to the Father. That's what he's talking about. And that's how the Holy Spirit touched some Jews there who were listening to this, this speech, to this discourse, and they believed on Jesus. Jesus. Okay, so that's the whole idea, walking in submission to God. And how you do that, you renew your mind. The Bible tells us, you renew your mind, you change ideas, you change preconceptions that you have about things. Because, my friends, we live in a culture... We live in a culture that really forms us since childhood. Values, beliefs, things that we are taught in the family, at school. And, uh, and Jesus here in John 8, he's trying to break 
this grasp that the Jewish culture had on these people. Because basically they thought, well, I am Abraham's seed. Everything that I do is right. You know, I follow here. I follow here all the rules, all the traditions. You know, even today, the Jews, they love tradition. I, I remember the, that play, the movie, The Fiddler on the Roof. Tradition! But then Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But you are not. He, sa he says basically that they are not children of Abraham. That they follow the devil. You know, because they were so sure that their lives were so holy. It's just like that Pharisee. Oh God, thanks that I'm better than... You know, all the other people, the, the sinners, the prostitutes, and even that tax collector there. And the other, the other man, the tax collector, he could not even look <clears throat> towards heaven because he was so ashamed. And he simply said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. So, my friends, unfortunately, those heresies, they are appearing because people are looking for peace of mind. That's why I gave the title of the show, Selling Peace of Mind. That's what people want. That's what people want, my friends. And that's what the church is providing. Just like the new wagers. You know the new wagers? You know what? People love spiritism because spiritism tell, tell them, well, you have a second chance. If you die right now, you're going to be reincarnated. You're going to be born in another body. It's the will of samsara. It's the, because, you know, spiritism and new age is basically Hinduism in another uh, you know, facade or facade. It's a makeup that they applied on Hinduism in order to sell the same religion here in the West. And people love it because there's no kind of punishment. There's no hell. Spiritists, they say, you know, it's just like school. You can fail one year, but you're going to graduate. Eventually, it's just, just like those bad schools, you know, everybody's going to graduate and everybody's going to get a diploma and uh, people love it. You know, people love it. Of course, it goes up or down, depending on your perspective, to the point when they, they say that you are a God. So, man, a God cannot make mistakes you're gonna be right all the time doesn't matter what you do and people like that because life is hard that's why my friends if you read about 
the church in, in, in the New Testament, if you read Acts, if you read the letters of Pope, you see that basically those churches were just a bunch of people. It was a real community of people, friends, helping each other. You know, whatever you have an opportunity to do good, you should do good. Especially for those in the house of God. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not going to stop the show to look for the verse, but that, that, that's basically the idea. You help people. You're a friend to other people. You have this community. It's just like a family. And then you, you equip and you develop people as disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, you teach people. Basically, that's what you do. You know, go there, read Acts. We have to read Acts again and again and again. We have to go on pushing with the, the, the Reformation. Because the Reformation was all about bringing down the human structures of the world that were assimilated by the Roman Catholics that destroy all the meaning of the church. But then it's like we substituted the priest by a pastor. And now a pastor is just like a CEO, a super leader. We're going to talk about this crazy ideas of leadership in our next show. But it, it, it's basically a substitution, you know, a priest by a pastor. And it's like he does everything. He's the leader. He decides everything. He's the only one who can teach. They forget all about the elders. If, if you go there to Acts, you can see very clearly that the church was led by elders. And people had different gifts of the spirits that they would share with each other. But now, my friends, it's just a pastor, an elite that surrounds him. You know, half a dozen people there who are powerful in that church. And the rest of the people, it's just like a movie theater. They go there and they sit on the pews. I mean, not only... Not even pews anymore. It's their comfortable chairs. And they watch that show, that performance, and they go home. Lonely, sometimes needing pastoral care, needing friendship, but, you know, they cannot find that there. It, it, it's amazing. Even my son told me one day, we were driving in the front of a, this large, large, large church here in Brazil. I mean, large, like 10,000 people. Large. And he suddenly said to me, you know, that you don't think a church this big is a good thing. Because people don't know each other. It's it's impossible to have good teaching and good fellowship in, in a church this size. I mean, coming from the mouth of babies. But that's what we have here, my friends. And I'll tell you, I don't want to pick on Americans. 
God knows I love America. I really do. I admire that country. I do. I think it's the best country in the world, to tell you the truth, with all the problems it has. But anyway, my friends, all this crap comes from America. It's like 99% or maybe 100% of what affects Christianity, Protestantism, you know, the evangelical world comes from America. We're going to have here the Shaq movie. It's going to launch next, next month. I think it's April the 13th. It comes from America. Uh, you know, you all, you all know that I, I had to leave my church of 20 years because of the strange ideas that the new pastor was bringing to the church. And the straw that broke the camel's back was contemplative prayer, Eastern meditation being taught in Sunday school. Comes from America, Richard Foster. And then it's interesting that I, I tried to go to a church I, I had visited before. I was not very sure about it, but I said, you know, let's check it. It's a Baptist church. And then I found out that they were into the emerging church movement. They were sponsoring the Global Leadership Summit here and bringing people from all over the world. You know, my friends, that, that takes money. And exactly in the Sunday that I wanted to visit, to check, to see, well, is this a good church I could start attending? They were going to have a lecture with a Mormon. The name of the guy is Chris McChesney. And he's an executive of, uh, you know, the Stephen Covey leadership thing, the one with the agendas, the diaries, and things like that. And they, he's got, he, he did speak at the church, a Mormon. If you go there to his webpage, it's like he's a member of the, the you know, how they call it, Jesus, last day saints thing. Because they try to pretend they're Christians. So, my friends, this is all because projects, that, that's a characteristic of the American culture. So, just like the Jews, that they thought they could do no wrong just because they were children of Abraham. Some Americans, they think that because they're children of George Washington, they can do no wrong, but they need to wake up. Wake up, my friends. Because I'll tell you, you know, Rick Warren, he's the founder of the emerging church movement. That is, it, 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 it's, a, it's a use of the teachings of Peter Drucker, a, a, a management guru, in order to use the churches as tools for the new world order. And he did research surveys all around the neighborhood to understand what people wanted and what people want, what Americans want. 
they want, my friends, entertainment. They want peace of mind. And they want projects. Because, you know, Americans are hardworking. They love to feel useful. They love to do things, you know. That, that, that's why you have those wonderful churches. Because they're all engaged in the construction project. New sports courts. Volleyball courts. Cafeterias. You know, this state-of-the-art band. Great musicians. I mean, you go there, it's like, come on, they're professionals. You know? But that's a characteristic of the American culture. Unfortunately, my friends, the concept of church comes from the Middle East. Okay. You know, the concept of community... You know, intimacy with each other. Americans, they don't like that very much. I mean, they talk a lot. It's, it's like if you become friends with an American in five minutes. But, you know, usually the friends are someone who does something with you. You know, that's something I learned when I lived in the U.S. You have your golf, golf friends. You discuss everything about the perfect equipment, the perfect uh, play, and things like that. And then you have your uh, work friends, and you discuss things about work. And then you have your church friends, you discuss the projects. I mean, it depends really on what you do, Okay. But depending on the activity, you're going to have these friends. But it's very hard for these friendships to last. Because once you stop playing golf, you don't see those people anymore. So it's because of the mobility of America. Because they're moving all around. You know, go west, young man. They don't stay in one place for long. It's just, it's nothing like Europe or other places in the world where people stay in one place sometimes for their whole lives. Even though that's changing too. If you come here to Sao Paulo, you don't know your neighbor. Same thing here. You know? So what they do, they adapt the church to this kind of culture. You know, they have projects one after the other. Evangelize the world. And let's build another sports court. You know, it's just one thing after the other. Seminars, courses, training. And then you forget that basically the, the two disciplines that are taught in the Bible. It's basically prayer and the, the reading of the Bible. Church life should be very, very simple. You know, Jesus said that his burdens light. Light. His yoke is light. But you go to these churches, it's just this, this flood of activities. Activities all around. And people love it. It's a kind of works religion, if you think about that. 
they never say that actually, but in practicality, it is. It is. Okay? Yes, my friends, hard to, to have intimacy. How can you have a community? How can you have people, one helping the other? If you're afraid even to say, I don't have money. Or I'm facing difficulties in my marriage. You know? So, my friends, I'll tell you, when you have this kind of structure, the only thing you can really talk about is to give people some kind of peace of mind. So that's why you have things from, you know, Joe Austin's wife saying, oh, church is all about you. It's not about God. You have to feel good. You know, these are the extreme cases. But you have things like universalism. You know, we were talking about Brian Zen, the perfect example of the Church of the Antichrist. It's like there's no sin, everybody's going to be saved. You know, Jesus is something to make you feel good. You have to feel good. You have, you know, just closer to God. Because since everybody's saved, I mean, it doesn't matter. The, the only thing that the church can do for you is, is to give you some tools or ideas to feel something. That's why now they are all into contemplative prayer. You know, just impure mind and meditate until you just listen to some strange voice. Because that's what they're selling. Peace of mind. You don't have community. You don't have friends. Nobody helps each other. So what's left? It's this kind of message, empty messaging. It's just you're going to have the, your special individual, selfish, egotistical experience. Mystical experience. So you go to the American, uh, what's the name? The, the American Anglican Church. And they have the rosary. You know, it's good because, you know, calms you down. So it's all peace of mind. And that, that's what the shack is all about. That's why they had 1,000 pastors promoting, endorsing the movie in the United States. Because it's all about, you know, there's no punishment. There's no, there's no hell. It's like the, the song Imagine from John Lennon, you know. There's no hell, there's no heaven. Imagine there's no heaven. I hate that, that song. It's just a new world order for you. The system of the Antichrist. Where everybody will be happy forever. That's what people want. 
you know, the survey, the marketing survey from uh, Rick Warren told him that's what people want. They don't want the hard reality. I mean, when they go that way, they're even departing from reality. Because I'll tell you something. You're not going to be invited by God to spend a week, man, a weekend at a, a shack somewhere. No, my friends, unfortunately not. You're not. You won't have the opportunity this side of heaven to talk to God for a couple of hours or for two days. You know, I wish I could. But this, these are false expectations. They are being sold to people. Lies for itching ears. Because people don't want to face the reality that Christian life is hard. That's why we should have more love in the churches. That's the solution that God gave in his word to ameliorate our situation. This problem of suffering. We should have friends, brothers, sisters helping each other. And that's exactly what we don't have. We have illusions instead. You know? Of course God will comfort you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. Leading us to all truth. But you know, there's a space, a place For, for brothers and sisters helping each other. I'm not even talking about pastors who cannot pick up the phone and call people to just check how they're doing. Because they're so busy being CEOs and leaders of visions to evangelize the whole world. Oh, yeah. They cannot take care of those in their backyard. But they think, they sincerely lie to, to themselves to a point that they believe their own lies. That they're gonna change the world. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, the peace plan from Rick Warren and the United Nations, or if it's uh, this alliance of international churches there, you know, doesn't matter. The problem is the, the perspective that they have oh yes my friends and then they start to bring those things inside the church because that's what people want you know basically because the structure the dynamics the way that the church works it's all wrong it's all wrong and some people think we are beyond, beyond any kind of Of Reformation, Brother Paul Kapow thinks it's, it's it's kaput. You know, we we have passed the limit. There's nothing more than we can do. And sometimes, you know, I agree with him because I see more and more that this show we have here, these teachings. I mean, the result is, is more the, 
comfort of people than anything else. You know, we're comforting each other here. Because what can you do, my friends? I'm here working in the exposure of this, the Shaq movie, because it's coming here to Brazil in April. And some people say, oh, I don't care. You're too religious. But see here what we have found out, my friends. There's a, a, a there's an article here. It's talking about the new book from the same author, the, the guy's name, William Paul Young. And he has written another book. It's called Eve. And see here what this book is all about. It's about destroying the credibility of the Bible. The story. It's about a woman. Her name is Lily. And Lily, she comes in a shipping container. She's not a chip Chinese trinket. No. She's a woman. She washes ashore on an island that exists somewhere in a fantasy world. Okay? And then, then she's beaten, bruised, broken, <clears throat> barely alive. So you see here, it's, it's all about feminism, okay? So she's the beaten, exploited woman. Oh. And then she recovers and she starts to remember who she is. And, you know, she has this magical quality to be a witness. So she watched past events and she can understand and interpret everything. She's a kind of prophet, okay? Her privilege is to witness creation and the falling to sin. In a way to provide an account that corrects all our false understandings. Of course, the false understandings in the book is the Bible. Okay? And then the author comes with all the crazy things here. First of all, he's backing up Big Bang. Okay? Wow, it took billions of years. I've seen that. She, you know, she, she knows everything. So, so it's not like a matter of days. It's billions of years. She sees Jesus create Adam as an infant, as a baby, from the dust of the ground, and sees God personally nurse Adam from his breasts. Okay? And, that, and then God says, Here in my arms, and nursing at my breast, is the highest expression of my creation. Mythology is responsible for many odd ideas. Mythology is the Bible, okay? Did your storytellers think that Adam was created as a young man with no capacity? A brute, ready to be programmed. So the writers of the Bible are storytellers. She says that Adam falls into sin before Eve was even created and that the name of the animals is an infuriating kind of penance for Adam. So he was really mad, okay, about the, this punishment. She sees that Eve is not taken out of Adam as much as she, she grows within Adam and is birthed from him. Adam's belly grew, expanding with a pregnancy in nine months. She sees that Adam and Satan, 
conspire together to take advantage of Eve's naivete so that Eve is an innocent party in her own downfall. She was betrayed and now was being blamed by Adam for what he had conceived in his own heart. Evil, chauvinist, male monster. So my, my friends, why did he call this woman Lily? Of course, it's because of Lilith. Lilith. You know who she is? She's a demon. Used to be the goddess in Mesopotamia. The goddess of storms. Death. And infirmity. Disease. And you know the Kabbalists, what they say? That Lily was the first wife of Adam. But she was very proud. She was a feminist, a Marxist, and she could not abide with the patriarchy. And, and she said, bye bye, Adam. I'm going to be my own woman. Hear me growl. And then she left Adam. And then God gave Adam this poor girl, Eve, who didn't know any better. That's what the Kabbalists and occultists believe. And the New Age witches, they all love Lilith. They love it. They love her. So she's basically a succubus now, right now. You know, she visits men during sleep to have spiritual sex with them because she's liberated. And that's this demon that this guy, Paul Young, brings to retell the story of the Garden of Eden. Because the Bible is all wrong. So you see how it works, my friends? It starts with something that really sounds good. Looks good. Like the shack. I mean, it's already wrong. But not too obvious. Then you get engaged with the, the, the author. And you think, well, I think I'm going to buy another book because I love the shack. It made me feel good. Uh-huh. I find it so funny when, when the Kapals do that. Uh-huh. It makes me feel good. That's the whole idea. It gives me peace of mind. Give me peace. I love my church because, you know, I go there. I feel so good. I feel like I have no sin. I'm forgiven. I can't do no wrong. I'm such a great person. <laughs> I love my church. My pastor is so nice. He's like Brian Zand. Oh, yes, that's... That's how people see the pastors right now. You know, that, there's a dependency, my friend. That is sick. Sick. That's another reason why the system of elders that they had in the New Testament was so much better than the system of a soul leader that we have today, the, the, the king of the church. Because there's a dependence. They love. You go there to Twitter. And they love Brian Zen. 
It's like he's so nice. He makes me feel good with myself. I need him. I understand that it's sick. It's psychological and emotional dependence. It's a characteristic of cults. You start to depend on the guru to feel good about yourself. When you should depend on Jesus Christ for your identity. And not some pastor. Or worse, a movie. <laughs> But you see how it works. It's just like the thing that Rick Warren did with the Daniel plan. He said, oh, you know, fat guy with a Hawaiian shirt. He doesn't use anymore. Now he uses a suit, Italian suit. Because, you know, now he mingles with the United Nations people and the Rothschilds and the Pope. <laughs> and he goes to Davos in Switzerland. So, my friends, he says, we're going to have a plan for your health. And then he brings three doctors. All of them have something wrong. Starting with their names. I mean, come on, who's, who's naming? Amen. Amen. The other, Os. And the other is Hyman. <laughs> He should have been a gynecologist. I mean, come on. It's pathetic. And they all into something wrong, like one is a Muslim, the other one is a New Wager, and uh, the, the other is apostate Christian. And this Oz guy is a friend of Oprah. And you know what he does? He does Reiki. His wife is a Reiki master. You know what Reiki is? It's about receiving, being demonically possessed by spirits and, and to let the energy of the demons flow through your hands over the body of the patient. And then you call that a health treatment. It's so funny because in Santeria, it's called here in Brazil, giving a pass. It's exactly the same thing, you know. After the Orisha demon comes down into the body of the priest there, the voodoo priest, you, you just stand right in front of the priest And he will pass his hands all over you, transmitting the energy of the demon to you. And that's supposed to be good for you. It's the same thing. So you see how it works? And that same thing with the shack. Because you will go there. And you're going to buy this book, The Eve. And there's another book, Lies We Believe About God. He wrote this book some time ago, but nobody really remembers it anymore. You know, the, the, I mean, this guy, he wrote in 2004 a text that was exposed by a pastor here. No, he was not a pastor. He's a professor in a seminary. And it's funny because he has the same name. It's Young, too. And it's Burning Down the Shack. That's the name of the book. And then he tells us that this guy, the author of the shack, Paul Young, he said that if hell exists, Jesus is 
more perverse and evil than Nero and Hitler put together. Because he's torturing everybody. You know, he hates Jesus because he was raped when he was a child. It, it's a most strange story, I'll, I'll tell you. You know, you know when the something stinks there? He's the child of missionary parents who just allow him to be raped? Mm, abused? I wonder what kind of parents we're talking about here. Very strange story. Doesn't make any sense. But anyway, he hates Jesus. And in this book, you know, 28 lies. And you know the lies that he says, these are lies. First one is God is good. He doesn't think God is good. He thinks he is good. Okay? He says, we, we are true and right. The problem is that we are ignorant, acting out of the pain. We're blind, but not depraved. That's Gnosticism. You know, you're perfect, you're a god, but you don't know. That's what he's teaching here. Another one. He says it's a lie. God is in control is a lie. I'm, go I'm, I'm not going to go through all the, the, the text here. I'm going to post this in our Facebook page. Brother Marcos Radio at Facebook.com. Fifth Hook Media at Facebook.com. You can also contact me at Brother Marcos Radio at Gmail.com if you wish. But basically, he says it's it, all lies. God created my religion. It's a lie. You need to get saved. It's a lie. Nobody needs to get saved. It's interesting because he's a universalist, meaning, meaning everybody's going to be saved. But he says it's because God died for everyone. Even those who don't believe in him. So it's kind of a Christian universalism. You know? Because it's more palatable to the American public. Okay? Yes, my friends. He says that hell is separation from God. It's another lie. Oh, no. He says that the cross was God's idea is another lie. So, basically, it was just an accident. <laughs> you know how weak his God is? Yes. And, and it goes on. It goes on. He says, but, but you know, the worst things is, he says, sin separates us from God is a, law, is a lie. It's a lie. Okay. So, you see, I just want you to understand this. That's how it works. A little leaven spoils the whole bread. Okay. Dough. It spoils everything. As that's the way it works. Because the pastors are so 
worried about selling peace of mind to people that they put these things above anything else about above doctrine about the word of God and my friends I'm going to talk a little about the consequences of these teachings after we return from our commercial break In a recent double-blind study from the Institute of Prophetic Studies in Southern California, researchers concluded that humans who listen to the Freedom Friday Hour with radio hosts Paul and Linda Villanueva on the Kapow Radio Show Network were 111% more intelligent than their reptilian counterparts who did not listen to Freedom Friday, but instead were busy destroying mankind. Researchers also concluded that Freedom Friday listeners were better looking than their four-eyed, two-legged, freestanding Gila monster, turtle-faced reptilian counterparts. So share your good looks and smarts with others by telling them to join you here on the fabulous Freedom Friday Hour. Your human friends will thank you. The Kapow Radio Show Network produces high-quality podcasts that you definitely want to hear. So stick around and get prepared to stimulate your spirit. All right, my friends, we are back from the commercial break. And I'm going to give you some of the consequences here of this, this crap that is entering the churches. Because they need to sell the churches, you know. They need to give what people want. If you don't have fellowship, you don't have follow fellowship or friendship or a community and service. Like the church in the New Testament, small church, ruled by elders. We're in contact with everybody, helping each other. Even giving money to the people in the church. No, now they are CEOs. They only think about evangelizing the whole world. And bringing world peace. So they need something to entertain the masses. To make them feel good. You know? That's here. Mennonites. The Mennonites. The Canadian Mennonites. You know what they believe right now? They believe in thin places. You know what is this? It's like uh, places in the world where you, you have portals, where you feel closer to God. Okay? You're, you don't really have the Holy Spirit with you all the time like the Bible tells us. You know? Because the Bible tells us that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... You are with me. Jesus is right there with you. Comforting you. Holding your hand. Even if you don't realize. That's the promise of the Bible. But no. They think that you have to go to the Camino de Santiago de Compostela. Like Brian's end. Or you go to Israel. To Jerusalem. Or you have to go to places where the Apostle Paul went to Greece, Turkey, and Italy. Or you go to the labyrinth at Chocolate Cathedral in France. France. Yes, Celtic spiritual destinations. 
Yes, my friends. It's all around, you know, several denominations now. Episcopal, United Methodists, Lutherans, Nazarenes, Mennonites. They forget that when Jesus died, the veil was ripped apart. Having their forebrethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Hebrews 10. But no, they want to see the portals, just, just like the occultists, the witches. The witches, they, they really believe in that. And you know, the pastors who are promoting this, they're receiving money. Money. La bufunfa. La bufunfa. La moneda, la plata. From the Lily Endowment. The Lilly Foundation, my friends, is one of the most occult Illuminati foundations in the world. It's like, you know, up, up there with the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford Foundation. I, I would say the Lilly Endowment is even worse because its role is to fund religious apostasy, ecumenism, the New World Religion. And they get money. They get grants for pastors to go on sabbaticals with contemplative emerging overtones. Yes, my friends. And then what happens with real people? Now let's talk about real people. Not the elite in the church business. Real people. How it affects real people. I'm reading here the story of Mandy. It's a real woman. She says, I, I started watching God TV. Yeah, there's something called God TV. Yeah. There were stories of angelic encounters. Oil dripping from the speaker's feet. Feathers and gold dust falling on the worshippers. Supernatural things. Okay. And then he, she says here. That she used to go to Word of Faith, churches, but she didn't have time. So she was watching TV, okay? Because she was working too much. And uh, one night, on my way home from work, I heard a sermon on the radio. I wanted to find out more. So when I got home, turned on the TV. The first thing out of the pastor's mouth was, if you just heard the radio sermon, you are a part of us. Oh, that must be from God. Okay. Another night after work, I turned on the TV to find a woman introducing a special training program that was available through her ministry. As she spoke, I watched the television disappear from around her, leaving only her face in the room. She continued to explain how we could order this program. So you see, my friends, what the devil does. She had a supernatural experience. And, and she thought this must be from God. I ordered the series. A few days later. It arrived in the mail. And I began 
to listen to the CDs. Okay? I was shocked. But then you see the Holy Spirit was trying to warn her. It was angel worship. There, there's something wrong here. It was astral projection in the name of praying for others. They, they said we could leave our bodies and enter the third heaven. And that you, you want to pray for someone, you would leave your body and go to the house of the person. Astral travel, just like the cultists do. Okay. Instead of throwing that garbage away, I decided to listen to the CDs. And I listened to them over and over and over. So, so you see how it works? The addiction? Spiritual. Spiritual addiction, my friends. You know what she did? Even though she said that the Bible warned against this, she invited an angel to appear in the room. She also started to imagine, visualize her spirit going to another person's house to pray for them. See the good intentions here? But then what happened? She started to see, you know what? Not a good angel, but faces of demons. Vivid dreams. Daytime flash visions. I saw angels. I heard voices. But then I tried to convince myself that these were godly manifestations. You see here the dissatisfaction? I think that's the key word here, my friends. The simple God is, gospel is not enough. The hard life of a long-suffering life of a Christian is unbearable. I need something more. So the pastors, they want to give you projects, <clears throat> experiences, peace of mind. Instead of assurance in the word of God. And a friendly help. Human touch. No, that, that's out of question. On the physical side, flocks of vultures began to hover over my house. If I stood outside, they would circle over me. You see here? Yes, my friends, she was being slapped by demons. And then she freaked out, you know. And then she threw the things away after, I mean, the, the spirits were touching her. Can you imagine? I, th I, I think that she leave it alone here because she doesn't say anything about being married or anything. Can you, can, can you just, uh, you know, imagine... This, the terror that she lived in because of this thing. So see these, my friends, that brought harassing spirits into her life. Relentless, tormenting, they robbed my mind of all peace. No, it took months for her to get rid of these demons. And she bought A CD course advertised in a Christian, quote-unquote, Christian TV. Yes, my friends. But I'll tell you, while we have churches 
they're more concerned about being, you know, businesses and selling lies and false promises about changing the whole world, being leaders, bringing peace of mind at all costs, and they forget about human care, and most of all about the Bible, we're going to have these heresies every week. It's going to be one, a different one. It's never going to end. So maybe Brother Kapow is right. There's no turning back. We're going down. Fortunately, Jesus will come back and take us away from this world. Yes, they, they are. They are very concerned. You know, they are starting to attack internet. I, I don't want to say ministry. Uh, you know, th this is a work. It's not a ministry. It's a work, okay? They don't like the, the, the work that we do here, the, these pastors. You know, because they think we, we are taking people away from church. We're taking away people from bad churches. But if you have a good church, by all means, attend that church. Keep going there. Help the pastor. You know, we never said that you should not go to church. But you know what they're doing? I was listening to J.D. Hall, the polemicist, sarcastic polemicist. The guy that, that you know, takes his children to martial arts and he says there's nothing wrong there because he's there he's checking everything it's like it's just like saying i take my kids to drum classes with a voodoo priest because they want to but it's just music and i'm keeping an eye so what's the problem my kids are doing yoga but it's for the health it's exercise and i'm keeping an eye there I'm watching them. If there's something about religion, they won't go anymore. But I'm, I'm there. That's J.D. Hall. The polemicist. I mean, it's all about politics. You, you listen to his program. It's all about... Pro, it's all about... We all, the Southern Baptist did, did this and that. Come on, your Southern Baptist Association, my friends. It's gone. It's worthless. It's good for nothing. Doesn't matter if Russo Moore is doing this or that. Doesn't matter. The whole thing is rotten. And you keep insisting in your show that if you say this and that and your polemics, blah, 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 you're going to save this thing. You're never going to save this thing anymore. But anyway, what he said, he said that people who are outside church cannot be called Christians. He said that. And then, of course, people started, you were adding to the gospel. People start complaining on Facebook and saying, you, you are preaching another gospel. Because being a church member is not a requirement for salvation. And then he started, he tried to explain and made things even worse. 
because he talked for half an hour and he, and he used like declarations from Calvin. I mean, John Calvin is not an apostle, my friend. He was a human being, made a lot of mistakes, sinner. And then he used a confession from, from the 1600s saying that in order to be a Christian, you have to be in church. And he said, hey, you don't know that confession. <laughs> because he knows a lot. I mean, he's a good scholar. But it doesn't matter because, you know, he's a sophist. It's a fallacy. It's against logic. Okay. You're using an argument that has nothing to do with the problem because you should have used Bible verses and you didn't use one Bible verse in half an hour to back up your lie. So J.D. Hall, you're a false teacher. You're preaching another gospel. You're adding things to the Bible. They're not supposed to, to be there. He said, no, I'm not a Catholic. Again, the fallacy. Just pay attention so you can understand. He said, no, I'm not a Catholic. Because the Catholics, they say you have to belong to the Catholic Church to be saved. I'm here saying that you have to belong to a good church to be saved. So you see the fallacy? That's not the problem. You don't have to belong to a church to be saved. You know? If you believe that Jesus died for you at the cross and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Okay? Here it is. I must give you the Bible verse. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Bible tells. Not your confession from the 7th, 17th century. There, you know, there's no authority in that confession. So you're adding to the scripture. So you're a false teacher. It's really sad. It's all about the spirit, the call, corporativism, you know, my career, my ivory tower. And then, my friends, we don't know why these heresies and all these things, they creep up into the churches. Maybe not in his church, but... But you know, here's one, very conservative, knows everything about Reformed theology, has a list of heresies, knows all the heresies by, by heart. But you know what he says? Because they lost, they lost the wisdom because they're not living in submission and independence on God. So uh, they, they, they lost the big picture. So I'll tell you, my friends, go to the word. Thank God about, thank God for your salvation. 
Do not lose the big picture. God has chosen you from the beginning of time. You are special to Him. Abide to His word. Keep living one day after the other. In submission to God. I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. That's what Jesus said. So abide in Him. If you find a good church, great. You know, help your pastor, help people there. I'm not saying that you should not go to church. But, but beware of the wolves who have a career, who have objectives, want to be leaders and not servants. They're all around us. And that is why people like Paul Young and his the Czech book is prospering. Okay? All right, my friends. Thank you very much for your attention and your time. I hope you have learned something today. And I will meet you again next week. God willing. Bye-bye.